Hey, it's Chris. And Kylie. We're just a couple of jerks who need help following Jesus. Our podcast is all about humility. And finding direction and purpose. Especially when life gets hard or things don't turn out like we thought they would. Welcome to Following Jesus for Jerks. Welcome back, everybody. Hi, Chris. Hello, Kylie. Another week. Welcome, everyone. Another week with you. And... And our good friend, John. John. John is back. And we're having a very, very <laughs> deep conversation. Mm-hmm. Clarifying. Mm-hmm. Clarifying. Clarifying conversation. Yes. Uh, yeah, not that deep, but very clarifying. Okay, so we're in this food. Why are we always, always talking, talking about, about food? food. John oh brought God. this up, though. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. So, you're the one that was doing ketchup in a tea mug. Ketchup or mustard on a hot dog. And I said yes to both. What did you just mustard only? Exactly. I'm and wait, you were headed somewhere though, before we hit the record. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A particular type of mustard? No, Chris was wondering. I was about, asking. Oh, yeah. Okay. If it's so, you you do ketchup because I would do are both. You, are you? Because you you're not from Chicago. I have my five. Two insults. First of all, none of us should be animals. eating hot dogs anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. Well said. I put salt on mine. There's not enough sodium in a hot dog. <laughs> my kids put syrup on anything. Like, like spaghetti. Elf? Like elf? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, no, you, first of all, they should not have sugar. Of any kind yeah. at any time, but uh, yeah, on do you, okay syrup on sausage like breakfast sausage. Well, not if you're having only sausage, but when you're having sausage and pancakes, if a little bit of the, it's a stewardship issue. Because <laughs> you're gonna oh have oh my gosh, I'm gonna use that every time. <laughs> you're gonna have runoff. You gotta do something with it. So the sausage right through that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. I like it. It's a stewardship issue. Stewardship issue. Yeah. That's different, different that, angle. That's that's oh, yeah. my that's my green light exactly. for the rest of my life. <laughs> that is that is awesome. Well, we we are back. Uh if you haven't listened to last week's episode, you should. Yes. Uh John's a lot smarter than Kylie and I combined. True. And uh shared some of that with us. And, uh, hopefully we'll continue and maybe, maybe some of it rubs off. <laughs> maybe. That's, what, that's maybe why we had only you. one episode's worth. You know? <laughs> Do you have a podcast? No. Interesting. You want, you want a job? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, um, I've done a little bit of YouTube stuff, uh, but, and this goes back to the last episode, and you're going to have to listen to it to understand it. But um, the fact that I prefer writing mm-hmm. as a way of helping me think means that doing, especially if I'm hosting, doing a podcast is a whole lot of not writing. Um, so there's value in it, um, but it's for me, it's way more stretching. So, mm. yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about your. Primary employment, would that be accurate? Yeah. Uh, the, the thing I do for the most hours for pay, yes. There you go. <laughs> um, 
hospital chaplain. And what an interesting, as we talked last time also about seasons and time, an interesting season that we've been in for the last year and a half. Um, and I know that that's, you've expressed a lot of that in your writing, journals, books, also in your blog, um, and devotional, uh, what do you want to share about what it's looked like um, from your lenses over the last year and a half? Uh, maybe just in general, we'll get into a little more specific. Um, but what's it what's it been like for you? Um, I think that so. Number one, um, uh, probably a month ago, six weeks ago, I was talking to a friend who was getting ready to do a teaching for nurses. So he um, has done some consulting around healthcare, but also leadership work. And so he was being brought in to talk about leadership. And so I was wondering if I had any suggestions about what to talk to. And as I was, as I was thinking it through, I realized that um, we have understanding after traumas often but in the middle of it, we don't, and we're still in the middle of this trauma from a healthcare perspective. So um, the things that people look at as um, trends, as um, graphs, as those kinds of things, um, for us in the hospital and for the families involved, those are not trends. Those are faces. Mm-hmm. And it's just that we've had more faces that we've interacted with um, um, over the last couple of years. Um, I work at um, Parkview Regional. Um, in that tune. Um, <laughs> just in case I have to edit it, start that sentence again. Yep. I work at Parkview yep. So I work at Parkview Regional, um, and one of the things that happens for Parkview chaplains is that um, every time there's a death, we show up, and um, sometimes it's beforehand, but always um, afterwards, because we talk with family about funeral home. I mean, we don't lead with that, but um, we talk with family about funeral home. We um, 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 make sure that paperwork's completed correctly on the hospital side. So working with nurses on those sides of things and providing grief support. Um, so what we're aware of is that over the last couple of years, um, the number of those contacts has gone up um, pretty significantly. Um, we're aware of the number of times that um, family members have had really limited access. Um, we're aware. That, what, do you, what do you mean by that? I'm sorry. Do you, oh, you mean like to to the hospital, to, to the, the room, hospital, to the, okay, to the room, okay. to the to their loved one. Okay, okay. So there have been times over the last couple of years where families have not been able to be in the room as their loved one dies, okay. though um, almost never does their loved one die alone. It's just they die without family members there, but the people that are there are the respiratory techs and the nurses yeah. and the, so 
there's that role among our coworkers of being surrogate family, um, but that's just incredibly draining sure. for them. Sure. So, um, and we've been in a season where um, everything on the outside of the hospital, everything has changed, but on the inside of the hospital, we've had everything changing all the time. So as there's been growing understanding of how this virus works, of what happens, we've had protocols changing. And what happens is um, we probably do, you know, like um, about 40% of the stuff that we do in our lives, we do without even thinking about it. It's habit. Good habits, bad habits, we just don't think about it. Well, that happens in our jobs too. So whatever our job is, wherever that is, there's a whole bunch that we do that we don't think about all the time. Well, over the last couple of years, we've moved into having to think about 80, 90, 100% of the things that we're doing because the protocols are changing and that kind of stuff. So when you're having to think about more than you think about normally and you're having to do it, particularly around death, you're having to do that more than you typically do. Um, it has been a really draining time for this whole community. So for the families that are involved, for the coworkers that, that we're involved with, and then for chaplains providing support for that. Because um, 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 we're considered part of the the care team. Um, so we kept going into the building during the whole time as well, not going into rooms necessarily depending on precautions, but certainly going into the building. So, um, so it's been a really interesting couple of years. I, I've, I've heard, I'm sure many of our listeners have too, the statistics on the, the mental health need in the health community right now and in the care community right now that yep. it's, um, it's off the charts. Yep. Um, this has to be a hugely contributing factor. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and there's been this really, um, this is descriptive what I'm about to say right now. When you spend your shift looking at the effects of an illness and you walk out of the building and you're talking to people who deny the existence of it. There's just a huge tension because it's a, I'm risking my life. Yeah. Um, I'm afraid to see my family, especially in the early days for our nurses, they were afraid to see their families because they were afraid of what they might be taking home. Yeah. And at the same time, there are people saying, well, this doesn't exist. It's like, pretty sure that it does um, and then there's um, there's this damage that comes I, I was talking to somebody about this the other week um, um, nurses do their best um, and if somebody's hospitalized for a long time there's multiple shifts working with a particular patient, getting to know family and that kind of stuff. Um, and um, these days, um, there are some people who are in the hospital for a really long time. There's that um, long opportunity for get to know, getting to know family and getting to know the patient. And 
knowing that it's not going to turn around. So then when there's a death, um, it's not just a patient. It's somebody that you knew and it's a family that you knew and you watched their hopefulness and then you watched the, and all of that, um, all of that, especially in some units gets really, really, really hard. And, uh, so yeah, there's, there's an awful lot of mental, physical, um, relational health issues. And, and we can think about stuff from a broad perspective. So you've got an international listening audience, but, um, the three Thank of you. us. Thank you. Um, the three of us just happen to live in Fort Wayne. And, um, so we are aware of what is happening in our community. And so we also are aware of the people that we know that work in healthcare. So it's not, abstract people it's oh no these are people i know um i know their name i know their face so we just hit pause on the record because i was getting emotional yeah um just listening to John share what he's experienced and having just recently gone through it and, and, um, and, and talking about obviously it affected our family and, and still we're working through the, the grieving process, but also I was sharing with these guys the, and I'm sharing this with you, the listener, cause we <laughs> paused the recording, we're back, but the, the nurses and the therapists that I have that we did build a relationship and um, interacted more deeply with than, I mean, I think about going back into the room um, on the day that, you know, the decision was made that it was time to let dad go and that, you know, we walk into the room with my mom, you know, I'd been there, but they hadn't. And the way that they'd covered machinery and, and equipment and cleaned dad up and had him, so presentable um and i know having conversations with them like this was stuff they're doing daily like watching people's lives end and and heartache and to family to families and some of those therapists and nurses were you know when i coached high school volleyball you know 10 15 years ago you know i interacted with two or three of them and a former neighbor and people that were in the room, you know, and that are facing this and expressing like how hard it's been for the last year and a half and, um, exhausting. And so, yeah, it just, uh, interesting to, I knew that I knew that this, I didn't expect it to be as emotional as, as it has been in the last 10 minutes, but like, that's, I think that's what people need to know and hear. I think that, Okay, before I go into the what I think, and the other part is as I'm talking and Kylie's sitting on the other end of the sofa, there's this, oh yeah, the last time we saw each other yeah. was in the hat of chaplain and the hat of son standing outside your dad's room too. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think that, that it's so easy for us to forget that 
um, it's so easy to forget being human beings. Um, I think this this goes back to the last episode where we were talking about Nehemiah, talking about scripture. That um, again, we're not talking about flannel graph figures. We're talking about human beings that lived and breathed, and we get glimpses of two or three minutes of their lives, but they actually had lives that went beyond the two or three minutes that made it into the story. Um, and in those times beyond, there was death and there was sickness. And and so we hear the handful of healings, but the reality is there were lots of non-healings that happened. And as I, as I just heard, um, let's see if I can get it right, the, the dirty little secret of miracles is that they're temporary. Um, Lazarus died again. So he's healed, but he dies again. Mm. When Elisha brings back the woman's son, he did grow up and die again, and um, so did Elisha. Elijah didn't, but Elisha didn't get <laughs> Elisha didn't get the exodus that Elijah got. Um, so I think that that one of the things that we struggle with often is we struggle with talking about really hard things like this and we get apologetic for crying. It's like, that's the stupidest thing. Why do we apologize for uh-huh. tears? Why do we apologize for how hard it is? Because um, what we're doing is we're teaching people that we shouldn't cry and we're teaching people that we shouldn't acknowledge that this is hard. Um, rather than saying, no, this is a really hard thing. <laughs> and put a period there. And then after that period and that pause, say, all right, next breath. All right, next breath. Um, to, um, <laughs> it's terrible. Kylie was surprised at how he was suddenly feeling. Um, but I wasn't surprised because we get blindsided by grief all the mm-hmm. time because, well, I, I get this walking around the hospital. So, 95% of the time I'm in the building and there is a chaplain. But 5% of the time I walk in because I forgot something on the other side of the building. <laughs> and so I got to walk through the building or I'm, I'm there um, without that hat on. And when I walk into the hospital without that hat on, I walk through hallways and I end up in tears because I remember what I was doing as a chaplain in that hallway. And um, I didn't put the shields up. Um, now, it's actually not healthy for me to always have the shields up. It's helpful to acknowledge right. the the pain and the hardness of this. Um, so, um, I don't I don't mind that I get blindsided that way. Um, I hate it, but I don't mind it. And and for this too, it's like, yeah, I would be way more concerned if we were having this conversation, Kylie, and if you had no response. It'd be like, wait, what? Because you've got that pastoral heart and you've got that son heart and this is hard. There's grief doesn't have timeline. Um, um, the edges of the hole are like a scar where some scar tissue may form, but the hole doesn't disappear. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you have not lived through all the stories and all the seasons that remind you of your dad. And you won't until you're dead. 
Because I think that we go, oh, well, I shouldn't by this point. It's like, no, you know, my mom was 91 and had Alzheimer's and hadn't recognized this for a while, but I still miss my mom. Um, my mom won't. My mom won't see our first grandchild. Now, she will, depending on what you want to do with Hebrews, um, Hebrews twelve mm-hmm. about the since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So, whatever. But um, and she's not missing that, but I'm missing the story mm. of watching her delight that she would have about that. So I think that. That, um, and it goes back to what we were saying earlier. It's true that she's not missing this. But that's not exactly a helpful truth <laughs> to, to go, well, yeah, I shouldn't feel sad because they're right. saying, that's right. stupid. Feel sad. Um, miss your dad. Um, feel ambushed by the pain that happens as we remember those times. There's not anything unbiblical or anti-Jesus about those moments of emotion and those moments of grief. Um, I think about Paul writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy and saying, this family, they helped me so much. They were the only ones. Everybody else was gone. This is really hard. Um, make sure that you come bring Mark along with you, even though Mark and I just were kind of like cranky way back at the beginning. God's healed me across time, and I'm loving the idea of the conversation that you, Timothy, and Mark will have as you come to me. That would be delightful, telling stories, and Luke's the only one that's here, everybody else is gone. So even Paul mm. is acknowledging in that letter that there's stuff that's not easy about this. Um, that to to acknowledge that doesn't mean that we're not living a victorious life, whatever that means. But it's acknowledging that I hurt, and God has ways of providing and naming that pain is not wrong. Mm. Dwelling in that pain and using it to block God out that becomes a problem. Um, but even there, we have a great, great high priest who understands and sits with us and. Doesn't say, oh, human. Yeah. You lousy human. <laughs> but he says, yeah. With your feelings. Yeah. It's like, no. So, so we're, we're about to enter a season, right? That most people, it's a joyous time, right? But, you know, we got the holidays upon us, right? So what, what, what does it look like for people on both sides of that coin? The ones who, Maybe struggling, right? Who, oh man, this is, this is, you know, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. This is, this is, this is going to be your family's first. Right. Yeah. Without your dad, right? So that side of it and the, and like, how, what would you, what would you say to them? And then what would you say to the rest of the family, right? Who maybe, maybe their grief is over or maybe they're not experiencing it the same way or, um, or they're, they're just not, it's just not their season on how to love each other well in that. I think that um, the other week I did a – I talked about surviving the holidays for those who are going through grief and um, um, acknowledging the challenges. So 
saying, yep, this is hard, um, adjusting expectations. Um, we have these expectations of what Christmas is supposed to be, mm-hmm. but um, often those expectations are false anyway. Um, often there's a burden associated with the expectations of what makes Christmas glorious. And so if we're willing to um, say, what's the minimum that counts? Mm. Um, um, alerting your allies. So I think that um, um, there's a program called Grief Share, and part of what Grief Share does is they they suggest that people write grief letters um, to let people know what's going on inside. Um, because lots of times we've got this, oh, you're handling this so well. And then people look at us and say, oh, you're handling this so well, so it's okay if I – say. Mm. No, actually, there's a bunch of junk going on inside, and I've just not had a chance to verbalize it yet. So, um, I have stupid resting face. But um, what's actually mm. going on is that. So, I think that alerting um, those who are going through grief, alerting their allies um, to say, "Yep, this is um, this is a challenging time." Uh, I think that um, paying attention to Advent is a helpful thing because of that season of, so it's not a point, it's a season. Um, I think making a plan is a helpful thing to say, you know what, I'm, I don't know when I'm going to get ambushed, but I'm going to get ambushed. Um, and so I just want to be aware that I'm going to have a really hard time. I think that, um, for those who are not walking through grief to acknowledge that, um, that being happy um, is an okay thing, but it's not something to inflict on other people always. Um, as an introvert, I just hate how happy sometimes people are. So I say, hey, what? Um, there is a, so in the, um, um, there's an evening prayer, um, and um, Tish Harrison Warren wrote a book called Prayers in the Night around this prayer. Um, but it's a nightly prayer um, that says, Keep watch, O Lord, this night. I mean, keep watch, O Lord. Keep watch, dear Lord, with those who work or watch or weep this night. And give your angels charge over those who sleep. Tend the sick, Lord Christ, give rest to the weary, bless the dying, soothe the suffering, pity the afflicted, and shield the joyous, all for your love's sake. And I, I, the richness of that prayer, um, particularly the shield the joyous part, because part of, so, um I uh we're expecting a grandchild um in January but um um this is our daughter's second child her first one died in the womb um we lost a child um at 5 weeks 30 years ago and um all uh, I realized one day that all of my interaction with babies for the last five years um, has um, not been around living babies. And so for me, I'm having to recalibrate to what's it going to be like 
to rejoice. Mm. But it's not fair for me to constantly inflict my my experience on other people um, um, to expect people to not be happy. So I, I love that part of the prayer that's shield the joyous. So Jesus helped the joyous actually be joyful. Yeah. But for the rest of us, um, soothe us, pity us, care for us, give us rest. Um, so I think that, that assuming that not everybody is like me in this moment is, is one of the most helpful things that we can do in the body of Christ. Mm. Um, I think that applies in this season. I think it applies always that, um, the idea of bearing one another's burdens assumes that others have burdens. The idea of, um, um, rejoicing with those who rejoice, but also weeping with those who weep. The idea of listening in the care of other people. The, the ideas of gentleness and support and all of those things that we read about in scripture that are, are, um, defining of our relationship within the body, um, all turn toward being aware of each other. Um, and in a, in a time when we are assuming that we are right and we're beating up on other people all the time. Um, I mean, I'm expecting it in the comment section on this podcast. What? You said what? <laughs> um, but, but rather than immediately jumping to reacting, to, to jump to response, to pay attention to other people's lives, um, is a huge way to be helpful. That's good. How do, how has God shaped you over the last year and a half through the experience that we walked through as a society, obviously, but, but your personal role as hospital chaplain in the healthcare world? So what Chris and Kylie can see, but nobody else can see, is um, that I don't know how to answer that question um, because um, there's the feeling of still being in the middle of it. Um, I think that um, A... I'm aware that we have been sustained, um, that, um, that I haven't fallen apart. Um, I have been, um, I'm learning to be far more intentional about, um, um, about trying to stop, um, about, what my limits are. Um, there are a couple of things that I backed out of work that I was doing that's like, yeah, nope, I can't do that. Um, and even projects where I started working with somebody, it's like, you know what? I just, I don't have the bandwidth to be able to do that. And I think that that's a, that's a huge and helpful thing. Um, I start lots of conversations with people when they're talking about how, um, 
how they're having a really hard time right now concentrating and getting stuff done and all. And it's like, so you realize, don't you, that for like the last 18 months, there's been this global pandemic. And, um, so I have to, to remind myself of that as well, that, um, I am not, um, invincible. Um, I am not God. Um, and that, um, Trying to be God doesn't work. Um, I, um, yeah. So I should have a better answer for you than that, except I listened to one of your other podcasts and, and y'all were saying that you had had an okay week. Um, I, um, I think that for many of us, we are, um, surviving. And at this mm. moment, surviving is success. Mm. Yeah. I, through mm. the last months, but especially the last couple months, you know, as you d- describe a lot of, a lot of what you just shared in the last few minutes, this sense of, even if everything seems fine on the outside, I have this sense of just feeling disoriented, almost like I have, I don't know what direction or plan is or surviving and getting through today will be good enough for today. And we'll see what tomorrow looks like. What fills in like we kind of ended last episode with (laughs) very, very uplifting, but a, a pretty heavy episode here, but I think very, very helpful. Yeah. What, what is John Swanson Personally, and I will even say from a uh, faith community, the Big C Church, what are you hopeful about? Um, I am confident Mm. that... I am confident that Christ loves his church and his people. I am confident that there's some clarifying going on about um, what we've made count as church, mm. um, which is all kinds of dumb stuff. Um, but I am, I am confident that when Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth, we always focus on the, um, the first part of the Great Commission, which is the, um, actually the middle part, which is the obligation part. Make disciples, do Make this, disciples, do this and do this. this. Yeah. And what we neglect is the, is the, the brackets and the brackets are all power has been given to me and I am with you always. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that the middle part, the making disciples, um, it's actually, um, teaching them about what it means and you teach by living. And so I, I, um, I'm not always really good at here's the three formula kinds of things. Um, but I'm confident that we're discovering that some of the, the three-step processes don't work. 
But in the middle of those three-step processes not working, God is present. Father, Son, and Spirit are present and working and loving and um, strengthening and um, and hand-holding. And um, so, um, all around the world. So, that I'm confident in. It, um, yeah. I'm not always hopeful, but I'm confident in that. So. Mm-hmm. It's a good word. I feel like we could talk to you for hours and yeah. hours and hours. Um, there are things that I know we haven't even touched on, which is absolutely fine. I, I definitely know this is um, the most tears shed on one of our episodes. Uh, That's because every time I'm with people, they cry. <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's your job or something. Yeah, you're in the right spot. I I walk into a room and I start praying with somebody and I open my eyes and they're crying and it's like, what? I I have so much um, respect for you as an individual, as a teacher, as a chaplain, all the things that you you do. I am grateful for your writing. Um, If Listeners, 300 words a day, 300wordsaday.com, um, a daily Monday through Friday and a prayer on Sunday, uh, devotional encouragement, um, challenge, make you think as you can imagine as you listen to John for the last couple episodes. Um, thank you for being all those things and, um, most importantly, uh, a friend, um, No one knows this except my family, but um, John called me on the day uh, that Dad passed during the day where we were all in my living room making a decision on what was best. And we were – my s- siblings and mom were trying to put all the logistics together of, you know, when we tell kids and where kids should go and what time and talking to nurses and um, – your phone call that I put on pause because you were talking to me about there is no right decision in this moment in regard to all those details, but that we seek God's wisdom. I, I'm like, hold on. And I sat the phone on the floor in the middle of our living room and you get, um, we're gracious enough to share that and to pray for our family. And, um, I just, uh, very, very grateful for you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for being here today. Yeah. Grateful for you too, for the impact you've had on my friend and helping him walk through this and being here. Real honor to have you here today. I think this is going to, I think this is helping a lot more people than me. Uh, And so uh, check out John Swanson, his books, um, 300 words a day.com. And uh, thanks, John. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kylie. Thanks, Chris. All right. We'll see you next week. See y'all next week. Peace. Beep, beep, beep.